0: Genesis two twenty-four through twenty-five is again our Old Testament reading and then first Peter three one through seven for the New Testament reading. Genesis two twenty-four through twenty-five here is a reminder to us that we are in a sermon series through the book of Genesis. But we have taken a bit of a pause to give focus to the subject of marriage. Uh, marriage being mentioned for the first time in Holy Scripture in Genesis two, twenty-four through twenty-five. Let's give ourselves now to the reading of God's most holy word. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. The New Testament reading is 1 Peter 3, 1-7, through 7, a very famous passage on the subject of marriage. In fact, most of the sermon today will center around this passage of Scripture. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. There we read, likewise, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious." So far, the reading of God's holy word. May the Lord bless the preaching of it, and especially our application of this text today. In this sermon, we are again asking the question, how can we have a successful and God-honoring marriage? In the previous sermon, all of the focus was on the role of the husband. Do you remember that, men? I think you do. You felt as if you were in the crosshairs uh, last week. One brother came up to me today saying, could you... And you really aim at my wife today, you know, I would, I would appreciate it. You were on the hot seat last week, I know. Husbands, if you remember, are to lovingly lead their wives. A husband's love for his wife is to be like Christ's love for the church. His love is to be unconditional, sacrificial, purifying, selfless, affectionate, understanding, and also affirming. Christ loves the church with this kind of love, and husbands are to love their wives in imitation of, of their Savior. But today, our attention does turn to the wives. Uh, Before we go there, I should say that although only a portion of the congregation is being directly addressed in this sermon and in the previous one, in fact, in this whole little series, in a sense, a portion of the congregation is being addressed, but all should be able to apply the principles that have been and will be communicated. And I think you're doing this naturally. Uh, Someone did approach me after the sermon last week and said, though I am not Married, I had my relationship with my mother in mind the entire time. I need to love her with an unconditional, sacrificial, purifying, selfless, affectionate understanding and affirming love. I thought that is very good. Uh, These principles that are being directed towards the husbands and and the wives. And as we discuss marriage, I think you are naturally seeing this. That that these principles can be applied uh, to other relationships also. um, And we need to do that hard work. For example, parents should love their children with an unconditional, sacrificial, purifying, selfless, affectionate, understanding, and affirming love. Christians should love their brothers and sisters in Christ with this kind of love. Uh, Certainly the the love that a husband is to have for his wife is special, and in some respects unique. But love is love. All Christians are to love others with the love of Christ. I think you see this. We know that husbands are called by God to lovingly lead their wives as Christ loved the church, but what is the role that wives are to take in the marriage relationship? That is the question that is before us today. What is the role that wives are to take in the marriage relationship? And the answer is that wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. Uh, this principle is clearly communicated in 1 Peter 3, 1-7, which we have just read. There in that passage we find the words, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. First Peter three one. Uh, wives, we are told, are to be subject to their own husbands. And in verse 5 of the same passage we read, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Wives... Are to submit to their own husbands, we are told in this passage. Uh, the Greek word translated as be subject in 1 Peter 3 1, is hupotasomai, and it has this basic meaning to submit to the orders or directives of someone, to obey, to submit. And it is the same Greek word that is behind the phrase, by submitting, in verse 5 of 1 Peter 3. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands. Hupotasomai, there, again, is the word, the Greek word behind our English, English translation. It simply means to submit to the orders or directives of someone, to obey, to submit. Also notice that Sarah is put forth as an example of one of those holy women who adorn themselves with a gentle and quiet spirit. Sarah is put forth as an example, and we are told that Sarah ultimately hoped not in her husband Abraham, but she hoped in who? She hoped in God, and therefore she did not fear anything that is frightening. What did Sarah have to fear? Uh, you know, what what frightening thing uh, troubled Sarah? I would argue. Abraham's leadership from time to time was a scary thing for Sarah uh, to follow. But she was able to follow Abraham's leadership. She was able to obey him, the text says, and even call him Lord. Uh, Here we see that she submitted to his headship. How how was she able to do this despite his weaknesses? She was able to do it because she hoped in God. Her trust was ultimately in God. Uh, What does it mean, therefore, for a wife to be subject to her husband, And to submit to him, it means that she is to honor and respect him as her head or Lord, as it is stated in this text, and is to obey him in all things. Uh, That is the meaning of submission in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, and in other places as well. I've put the matter rather bluntly, haven't I? Maybe I've made you uncomfortable by putting it so bluntly, by saying it means that she is to honor and respect him as head or Lord, and is to obey him in all things. Of course, more needs to be said about a wife's submission. Uh, This call for a wife's submission does need to be qualified a bit. It is true, for example, that a husband should honor his wife and cherish her opinion while making decisions so that, in most instances, decisions are made by the husband and wife together. And indeed, there are limitations to a wife's submission. More needs to be said about this issue too, and more is going to be said about it. But I am afraid that in our culture we are far too quick to dismiss the clear and plain teaching of scripture on this subject we are tempted to avoid it or to brush it brush it to the side we are quick to go immediately to the task of limiting or qualifying the call for a wife's submission yes the scriptures say uh, that a wife is to uh, submit to her husband uh, but but certainly it does not mean this or that right or sometimes we run immediately to those hypothetical saying, But what about when? What about when this happens? Is a wife really supposed to submit to her husband when this happens? And I think these are important questions. They do need to be addressed, but I think it is first of all important that we allow the clear and unambiguous teaching of Scripture to stand. Let's just let it stand, as it is stated. What is the role that the wife is to take in the marriage relationship? She is to be subject to her husband. She is to submit to him in all things. 1 Peter 3 is not the only place where this teaching appears. Uh, Paul addresses husbands and wives in Colossians 3:18 where he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do you want the most succinct statement in holy scripture concerning the role of husband and wife? Well, then I would propose Colossians 3 18 and 19. There the matter is put most directly. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Here in this text, the role of husband and wife is stated most succinctly. And what it says is that it is fitting or right and proper that a husband love his wife and that a wife submit to her husband. We find very similar words in that very famous passage, Ephesians 5. And we considered that a little bit more carefully last week. But remember that in verse 22 of Ephesians 5, we read, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I want you to notice that in this text, Paul says that wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. And again, in verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The wife is to submit to her husband in the same way that the church is submit to Christ, that is, in all things. This does not mean that a husband should micromanage his wife, but it does mean that he is to be honored as the head in all things, for he is the one who is responsible before God for his wife and family. He is responsible before God, for his wife and family in all things. Uh, The the teaching of Scripture is very clear. It's unambiguous. This is the order that God has designed uh, for the marriage relationship, that, that the husband take the position of head, that the husband lead, and that the wife submit to the husband's leadership in all things. I think before we go any further, it is important for us to recognize that Submission does not mean less significant or of lesser worth. We see this principle on display throughout society, don't we? Children are called to submit to their parents, showing honor to them by virtue of their position of authority, but they are not less significant or of lesser worth. Are they? We would never dare say such a thing. They are human beings, they are just as worthy, they are just as significant as those who are adults, their parents. Uh, citizens are to submit to those who govern, showing honor to them by virtue of their position of authority. God has placed them there in that position of authority, and as citizens of a, of a given land, we are to show honor to those who govern us, but they are not less significant or of lesser worth, the citizens of the land are not. Um, they are not of lesser ability either. It is because of the Order that God has established at the beginning within the marriage relationship that that wives are to submit to their husbands. They are not less significant of lesser worth or of lesser ability. It is because of God's design that this order is to be followed. We even see this principle of submission on display in what the Scriptures reveal to us concerning the triune God. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, Does submission mean... Less significant or of lesser worth, it cannot. We see this principle of submission on display within the triune God himself. The scriptures reveal to us that in order to accomplish our salvation, the Son of God submits to the Father, and the Spirit of God submits to the Father and the Son. I think this is a very significant observation when we're considering the marriage relationship and the role that husbands and wives are to take. What do we see within the triune God? We see this principle of submission on display. We see this principle of subordination. And so clearly submission does not mean less significant or of lesser worth for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the same in essence equal in power and glory. Our catechism teaches us and rightly so. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all fully divine, equal in power and in glory, and yet one takes subordination to the other, the Son to the Father and the Spirit to the Son and the Father, in order to accomplish our salvation. And so we are to follow this order, brothers and sisters. Uh, The husband is to take the position of head. The wife is to be subject to him because of God's design. Consider 1 Corinthians 11.3 which says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. And So even Christ lives under the authority of another, namely God. And every wife lives under the authority of another, namely God and Christ and her husband. Every husband also lives under authority, the authority of God and Christ and so when a wife submits to her husband, she is ultimately found living in submission to the Lord as she lives in obedience to Him and in reliance upon Him continuously. What does it look like for a wife to submit to her husband then? What does it look like for a wife to submit to her husband? That The scriptures clearly teach that she should. We have already established. But what does it look like for a wife to submit to her husband? Stated most briefly, a wife submits to her husband... When she looks to him as her head, as her leader, and allows him to lead in every area of life and seeks to help him fulfill his calling and shows him honor and respect within the home and within the community. That's a very simple explanation of what it looks like for a wife to submit to her husband. She she looks to him as her head, allows him to lead in every area of life, seeks to help him fulfill his calling and shows him honor and respect within the home and within the community. As I've said before, this does not mean that a husband should micromanage his wife, uh, nor does this mean that the wife should have no say in family decisions. Ideally, a husband will trust his wife and will give her great freedom to use her God-given abilities to manage her responsibilities wisely. That is a summary of something that Neuheiser says in his book that I have referenced time and time again throughout this series called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. I do wonder, though, what kind of wife people envision when they hear teaching like this on submission. Do you ever wonder that? Those of you who have been in the church for a while, uh, you've heard this teaching before. I'm not so concerned about you, but if you are new to the faith, uh, certainly if a a non-Christian were to hear uh, this teaching, I wonder what sort of wife they envision when they hear uh, teaching like this. I wonder if they envision a woman who is very weak, one who is incapable, maybe even oppressed by her husband? Do they envision a woman who is controlled by her husband, free only to follow his every command? Is that what they think the scriptures are, are, are endorsing here, what the scriptures are describing? I certainly hope not. In fact, we should expect that a godly woman, woman who submits to her husband in all things uh, will be a very strong woman A very capable, a very wise and highly esteemed woman. We should expect that a submissive wife will have, in fact, great freedom to choose and to do as she sees fit. I think it is possible, and and may I add, preferable, that as a wife learns to truly honor her husband as head, the husband will grow in his esteem for her and will gladly give her freedom to run as as she seeks to fulfill God's calling for her life. I think that's the kind of woman that we should envision, one who is very strong and very capable and quite free because she has gained the trust and the honor and the respect of her husband as she willingly submits herself to his lead. This is actually terrible, what I'm about to do. Rarely do I use illustrations, and I'm about to use a football illustration in a sermon directed towards wives. You're not supposed to do that. And even that sounds rather sexist, doesn't it? Um, I don't know if I should apologize or not. But tell me, who is more valuable to a football team? The quarterback or the coach? It's kind of hard to say, isn't it? That's what I thought. It's kind of hard to say who is more valuable to a football team, the quarterback or the coach. It's it's difficult to say who has more freedom on the team to to make decisions and to kind of influence the, the course of the game. Those of you who know football men and women alike, would probably admit that it's sort of difficult to say. Both have tremendous power, freedom within that that team to to direct the course of a given game. Um, They both have freedom, but of a different kind. Who is more impactful to the outcome of a game? It's hard to say. Um, But when I ask you this question, who who is to submit to who, quarterback or coach? The answer should be quite clear. Quarterback is ultimately submit to submit to the will of, of the coach in that team environment. And when I think of a wife properly submitting to her husband, I do not think, and, and neither should you, of the kind of submission that a small child is to have before his parents. That's not the kind of submission that we are uh, proposing here. But instead, the kind of submission that a pro bowl quarterback should have before his coach or a gifted manager before the owner of the company you see there is true submission there there is a willingness to to follow the lead of another there is the willingness to defer to the opinion of the other when push comes to shove you know when it all comes down to it who is the one in charge here the wife should be able to say you are my head i am living in submission to you, according to the design of God. But we are not talking about the kind of submission that a young child has for a parent. But instead, we're talking about the kind of submission uh, that a very gifted, highly esteemed, powerful, respected person has for another. Uh, that is the kind of submission that we are encouraging here. And uh, before we move on, I would like to read to you that very famous description of an excellent wife found in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. And as I read this description of an excellent wife, I want you to have this issue in mind. I want you to ask yourself the question, does this sound like a woman who is weak, incapable, and oppressed by a controlling husband? Is that what this woman sounds like to you, that this this excellent wife of Proverbs 31, this ideal wife that the Scriptures put before us here, does she sound like a weak, incapable, and oppressed woman or one who is trusted, highly esteemed, gifted, and free? So just listen to the reading of Proverbs 31 before we move on to the other six points in this sermon, which are brief points compared to this first one for sure. An excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain she does him good and not harm all the days of her life she seeks wool and flax and works with her hands she is like the ships she is like the ships of the merchant she brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Why is her husband so highly esteemed? This is a passage about the wife, isn't it? It is because she is such an excellent wife. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She does not fear the future. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all, her husband says. And then we have this remark that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And so again, I'll ask you that question. Here is the excellent wife. Does she sound like one who is. Weak and incompetent and oppressed by her husband? Or does she sound like one who is strong, highly esteemed by her husband, capable and free? I would suggest to you that oftentimes when we talk about this issue of submission, people get all the wrong ideas about it. Uh, we are not talking about submission in this, in this way, uh, the submission that a child would offer to a parent, but rather the submission of one who is very capable and highly esteemed freely offered to another. Wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord, this they are to do in all things, this they are to do, not on the basis of their husbands' worthiness, but in obedience to the command of God. Secondly, notice that the woman was created by God in the beginning to take the position of helper. Uh, Therefore, the command for wives to be subject to their husbands, that we hear repeated in the New Testament, uh, this command is rooted not in culture. But in creation, I'll keep this point very brief, given that I expanded upon a similar point regarding the headship of the husband in last week's sermon. Uh, When Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, he is not saying this is how we do things in our culture, but rather this is how God designed the marriage relationship to function from the beginning. In the creation narrative that we are slowly working our way through, we learned that Adam was formed first and then Eve. And when the time came for the creation of Eve, God said this, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Eve was created to be Adam's helper. Wives are therefore to come alongside their husbands as helpers according to the design of God. A wise and godly wife will recognize that a very important part of her responsibility is to come alongside her husband to help him to thrive in whatever it is that the Lord has called him to do. I want you to listen to Newheiser again, an excerpt from his book. He says, This can be done through wise counsel and encouragement. She that is the wife will work hard to make their home a place of joy and refuge for him. Titus 2 5. A wife has a very powerful influence over her husband, which can be used either for good or for evil. Few men, Newheiser notices, can refuse to do what their wives want. Even when they are wrong, and he puts forth Genesis three, six and sixteen two as examples here. I think when Abraham himself was led astray by Sarah's um, uh, advice, and even before that, as Eve brought the forbidden fruit to Adam. A few men can refuse to do what their wives want, even when they are wrong. Conversely, a wife's respect and affirmation are a powerful motivator. A godly wife does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Proverbs thirty-one twelve. Proverbs 31 implies that the husband of this excellent wife is successful, has an excellent reputation, and sits with the elders of the city because of the kind of wife that God has given him. And so, here the point is simply this that wives are to take this position of helper. They are to come alongside their husbands and help them to fulfill God's calling on their lives. Thirdly, it must be said that wives should submit to their husbands even when it is difficult even when it is difficult. Uh, Brothers and sisters, you have noticed this, no doubt, that our sin makes a mess of everything. It makes a mess of everything. Uh, Why is this teaching about headship and submission within marriage so difficult for us to swallow? Why is it so difficult for us? Is it not because of, of sin? I think you would agree that if we imagine Adam and Eve living in paradise before sin entered the world... This teaching about headship and submission does not seem difficult, but is in fact quite beautiful. I want for you to imagine Adam and Eve in paradise before sin entered the world, and there is Adam in his upright state, and he is perfectly loving and leading Eve and is functioning as her head. There is no sin in the world to mess that up. There there is no sin in the world to... to to, to make that go wrong, and then imagine Eve and her upright state perfectly submitting to Adam as his helper. It's really a beautiful thing to consider, the husband and wife living in such harmony with one another, each fulfilling God's design for them, selflessly serving the other according to the role that God had given them. It's a a beautiful thing, and I would hope that you would agree that this order of male headship and female submission is not in, its, in and of itself difficult or distasteful, but it is difficult, and some even find it distasteful, because of our sin. Truth be told, some wives make it very difficult for their husbands to lovingly lead, and this is because of their sin. And some husbands make it very difficult for their wives to lovingly submit, and this is because of their sin. Uh, furthermore, some men have a di- very difficult time leading in a loving way because of the sin that is in their own heart. And some women have a very difficult time submitting to their husbands in love because of the sin that is in their own heart. If I were to put my finger on one sin in particular, it would be the sin of pride, the sin of pride and selfishness. Put more simply, the order of male headship and female submission would not be difficult for us or seem distasteful to us were it not for sin. If it were not If we were not in sin, we would not gripe at the suggestion that husbands and wives should both lay down their lives and live for the good of one another. Why is that an offensive thought? It's only because of our pride and our selfishness. In Genesis 3, we are told of Adam's fall into sin. And there in that same passage, we also hear God's curse pronounced upon the serpent the woman and finally the man. You know that narrative well, I think. There, the, the man and the woman, they ate of the forbidden fruit. They tried to hide themselves from God. Uh, God found them. And he then went on to pronounce curses upon each of the parties involved. Uh, he pronounced a curse upon the serpent, the woman, and finally the man. And of particular importance to our topic today is the curse that God pronounced upon the woman, What did he say to her? He said to her, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And then your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. That is Genesis 3.16 in the ESV. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. I grew up reading the New King James Version. Here is how it translates the second half of verse uh, of Genesis 3.16. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. That sounds more familiar to me because of the fact that I grew up up, uh, reading the New King James Version. The question we are left with is what does it mean for a wife's desire to be for her husband, and what does it mean that the husband will rule over his wife? Well, we should remember that these are words of judgment. God is saying, this is how things will be, because you have chosen to rebel against my word and to go your own way. And so whatever is communicated here, it is not good. It is a distortion of God's original design for the marriage relationship. Put differently, it is only because of our sin and rebellion that a wife now has desire for her husband and that the husband will rule over his wife I think the ESV's translation of Genesis 3.16 is good when it says, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. But I think the NET's translation is even better when it says this, listen carefully, You, wife, will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. I think that really gets at the sense of the verse. According to God's design from the beginning, the husband is to lovingly lead his wife, and the wife is to lovingly submit to her husband. But here is the natural order of things now that we have fallen into sin. The wife will wrongly seek to control her husband and the husband will wrongly attempt to dominate his wife. So God's design is completely twisted up and bent out of shape. Instead of the woman allowing the husband to lead, she tries to control him and instead of of the husband leading in a loving way, he seeks to dominate his wife. Sin, the first sin of Adam and our personal sin, it messes everything up. It is now very hard for a man to lovingly lead and it is also very hard for a wife to submit. If you just observe the world around you, you will see that this is true. This is the order of things now that we have fallen into sin. We see women trying to control their husbands, not allowing them to lead. And when the husbands do decide to lead, they do not do it in a loving and Christ-like manner, but they seek to dominate their wives. It messes everything up. It's hard now. For a man to lovingly lead, it's also very hard for a wife to submit. But what I am saying, brothers and sisters in Christ, in Christ it is possible. In Christ it is possible. That which was lost in the fall of the first Adam is restored by the finished work of the second Adam, Christ Jesus our Lord. We have been renewed in Him. Our guilt has been taken away The power of sin has been broken. God is now at work within us, within those who have faith in Christ. He is at work within us to sanctify us by His Word and Spirit. And I am convinced, brothers and sisters, that God uses the marriage relationship to sanctify His people profoundly. It is in marriage that a man and woman learn to love one another selflessly with the love of Christ, as God designed it originally. What, would a, what should a Christian wife do if she is married to a man who makes submission very hard? The answer is that she should do her part. She should do her part. Wives should submit to their husbands even when it is difficult. Her impulse will be to control her husband, to manipulate his behavior, to self-protect even. But this is not God's will for her. A wife should lovingly submit to her husband even when it is difficult following Sarah's lead as she submitted to Abraham and even called him Lord, though he failed in so many significant ways. This is God's will for the Christian wife. Fourthly, it must be said that there are limitations to a wife's submission, If a husband asks the wife to do or say something that is contrary to God's law, it is right for the wife to refuse. You would all agree with that, wouldn't you? Uh, This authority has its limitations. The same would be true if if those who govern us uh, ask us to do something that is contrary to God's law. Ordinarily, we should submit to their authority, but in instances like that, we should say, I'm sorry, I cannot do it. God is my Lord. He is supreme over you. If a husband is forbidding the wife to do that which God's law requires, it is right for the wife to disobey her husband. If a husband is abusive to the wife, I think she should remove herself from the situation. Though he may choose to stay in the home, the abusive man has abandoned his wife by his thorough violation of the marriage covenant. I think great care needs to be taken here, brothers and sisters. It is very easy for someone who wants out of a marriage relationship to level the charge of abuse against their spouse. I've witnessed this. I've witnessed both husbands and wives make this claim. My spouse is abusive. And Why are they making that claim? They want to have grounds for divorce. But upon a closer examination in instances in the past, it became clear that there was no abuse, only a difficult and unhappy marriage. But a difficult and unhappy marriage is not grounds for divorce, while abuse may be. Lastly, if a husband is unfaithful to his wife, she does not sin by divorcing him. And so there are limitations to a wife's submission, clearly. Fifthly, it should be said that a wife's submission is voluntary. A wife's submission is voluntary. And I suppose there is a twofold exhortation in this point, one for the wife's and one for the husband's. A wife's submission is voluntary. To the wives, I say, how important it is for you to simply decide to honor your husband in this way. At some point, you need to just make up your mind. This is what the Word of God teaches. This is the position that God asks me to take, and I am going to do it. I'm going to show honor to this man, even when it is difficult. In good times and in bad, I am going to voluntarily offer up my Submission and honor to Him. At some point, sister in Christ, you simply need to choose to do this. You need to stop being led along by your circumstances or how you feel about the situation in the moment. You need to willingly offer up and voluntarily offer up your submission to your husband in obedience to God's Word. But here is a word for the husbands on this point. A wife's submission is voluntary. Husbands, you cannot make your wife submit to you. If your wife is disrespectful to you, if if she is unwilling to follow your lead, the way to change her is not by domineering her, but through love. This is what sin does. It messes everything up, and it, it causes you to pursue the wrong kind of leadership. There, your wife is not showing you respect or honor. She's not submitting to your lead. And what is your sinful impulse? Is it not going to be to try to force her to do it? Uh, to to domineer her. Think of Genesis 3.16, which we have just read. But this is not the way in Christ. Your, Your wife must be one, brothers. Husbands, you are to love your wives. You are to pray for them. You are to live with them in an understanding way. Yes, you are to confront their sin, but you are to do it with kindness and with great wisdom, with tact. You are to love them with the love of Christ. Brothers, I have this question for you. How did Christ bring you to the place of submission to Himself? At some point, you, if you are in Christ, came to say these words, Jesus is my Lord. How did He bring you to that place? Did He not woo you to Himself? Did He not draw you to Himself with His love? Did He not win you so that you offered up your submission willingly? At some point in your life, you came to freely choose Christ. But how did that come about? Was it not by the wooing of the Holy Spirit? Was it not by the wooing and the drawing of God's love? Uh, Husbands, this is how we are to to lead our wives. This is how we are to help them fulfill God's will for their lives, to submit to you in the marriage relationship. It is not through domineering behavior, but it is by winning them through love. A wife's respect and loving submission should be one for her submission must be offered up voluntarily. Sixthly, it is important to uh, to remember that God may use a wife's submission to change her husband. Uh, Wives, I, I want to encourage you with these words. God may use your submission to change your husband. If a husband is living sinfully, it is right for a wife to desire that he change for the good. That should be a desire of your heart. The question is, How to best bring about that change. The worldly wife will seek to change her husband through nagging, by withdrawing, by withholding, by threatening, along with many other manipulative tactics. This is how the worldly wife will go about trying to change her husband for the good. The godly wife will seek to change her husband by her respectful and pure conduct. First Peter 3, 1 Peter 3.1, again, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Notice that I did not say that a wife's submission will win her husband, only that a wife's submission may win him. Why then should a wife respect her husband if it is not a guaranteed method to bring about transformation. She is to do it ultimately, not because it is effective, but because it is right. The will of the Lord is that wives submit to their husbands, and God may use a wife's submission to change her husband. Who, who has to change your husband, wife? You, you know the answer. God must do it. But what is our part? What, what must we do? We must live in obedience to the Word of God. Uh, you, you're, you're to honor Him, wife. Your conduct is to be pure and honorable. If you hope to be used by God to change your husband, then take the position that God has called you to take. When a wife is respectful to her husband, it is not a guaranteed method to bring about its transformation, but it is God's ordained method. Uh, so lovingly submit to your husband and pray for them, and it may be that God uses your respectful and pure conduct to win your husband. God may still win your husband even if you choose the way of, the, of worldly manipulation. He may still win him, but He will win him in spite of you and not through you. If you wish to be used by God to win your husband, then live a respectful and pure life before Him and pray for Him always. Seventhly and lastly, I have a very brief word to the single women who hope to marry in the future. Sisters, I have said it before, and I will say it again. Marry in the Lord. Marry in the Lord. Be resolved to marry a man who has made a credible profession of faith and shows evidence of pursuing true holiness in Christ Jesus. Marry in the Lord. When you say, I do, on that wedding day, you are agreeing to sit in the passenger seat of the marriage as you allow your husband to lead. I am a terrible passenger uh, when we're driving around in the car. My wife is a good driver. She's listening online now. She's homesick, so she's hearing me say it. I, I will admit it. She is a good driver. I'm a terrible passenger. I don't take that position very often when we're driving around town. I, I just I am not used to submitting <laughs> to Lindsay in that way and entrusting myself to her uh, in, in that automobile. And the point that I'm making is there's something scary about it. There's something terrifying about sitting in that passenger seat. Not because she's a bad driver, but just taking that position is difficult. And here I am saying, uh, women who hope to marry in the future, marry in the Lord. Because you are going to have to, if you are going to live in obedience to the command of Christ, you're going to have to take your seat down in the passenger seat. Not of the automobile, but but of the marriage relationship and in life. And so you had better choose well. Be sure that the one you are marrying, be sure that the one who has the steering wheel is in fact a Christian, that they have made a credible profession of faith and they have demonstrated to you that they desire to honor God in all things. It's such an important decision. Some women, I am afraid, are far too picky when choosing a spouse. They are waiting for Mr. Perfect to stroll along. Sisters, he doesn't exist But others are far too naive. They're willing to marry the first thing that shows interest in them. And this is foolishness. You're to marry in the Lord, and I do mean truly in the Lord. Make sure their profession of faith is credible and they are demonstrating a desire to pursue Christ in all things. Marry someone who seems to be a true Christ follower, one who is interested in growing in the knowledge of the Lord, in holiness and in grace, one who is willing to lead you in Christ Jesus accordingly. To the Word of God. In conclusion, what is the wife's role in the marriage relationship? Well, she is to submit to her husband in the Lord. She is to take that position of helper. She is to submit, even when it is difficult, and trusting herself ultimately to God. There are limitations, of course, and these have been stated, but a wife's submission is to be voluntary. And do not forget, wives, the Lord may use your submission to change your husband. Finally, if you are single now and wish to marry in the future, be sure to marry in the Lord. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do ask for your help that you would sanctify us in Christ Jesus individually. This is our continual prayer that we would be people who live according to your will And here, in this time, we are giving special attention to the marriage relationship, and we pray that you bless the marriages here at Emmaus, the ones that are now, the ones that will be in the future. Lord, bless the marriages of this church. Help husbands and wives to do their part, to live in obedience to your word. Father, use our marriages to sanctify us. Use our marriages to bless our children. Use our marriages to bring glory to your most holy name. Father, we thank you for the marriage relationship and the thing that is put on display through them that is your love for your people and Christ's love for the church. May our relationships truly be a reflection of that according to your design. In the name of Christ we pray and all of God's people say, Amen.